Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass, light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry, with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner DelVal. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Fresh Cut Grass. My name is Jeff Fowler, one of your co-hosts. With me again this week, Tanner Del Val is a co-host. Tanner, good to have you. Glad to be here. Changed that up on you. you caught you off caught you off guard there a little bit, didn't I? Yeah, a little bit. I'm yeah. ready though. So, um, how you been? Not too bad. Been a whole week. Um, kind of getting cold again. Acting like it wants to be that um, that W W season. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not a big winter fan. I like the fall. October's my typically my favorite month, but we're almost uh we're almost out of October. Have you um you and your I I know um from your um answers to with lots and conversations with lots of our guests on here that um hunting and fishing becomes a big priority in your life this time of the year. Fishing yeah. obviously is getting ready to wrap up a little bit because you're going to, unless you're going to do ice fishing, which makes absolutely no sense to me, but you tell me it's fun. Um, yeah, it can but, be. Um, you ready, ready for, for, for hunting season to get started? Oh, absolutely. I've been, been in the woods some and uh, I've seen some deer, but nothing that I'm quite after yet, but just glad to be able to get out. Not ready to pull the button yet, huh? Not yet. All right. Hey, our guest today uh, has been with us before, um, Vicki Wallace. Vicki is from the University of Connecticut Extension Service um, up there and a great friend of ours. And we've known each other for probably longer than we'd both like to admit, like to admit, you know, Tanner, after our last show um, that we had Vicki on, she actually um, divulged where she like she has Pennsylvania connections and we grew up, we, we were in the same town at one point in our lives. And we think that like, we might've just been back to back, like one street away from each other. Um, if that's not a small world, wow. um, cause we were talking and I said about living in, in college Hill, Pennsylvania, just outside of Easton. And she's like, well, I used to live in college Hill when my dad was, when she was talking about her dad, I'm like, you know, we must, we used to sled ride. She goes, yeah, there was a big road over there that we used to, I think it was in front of my house. Was, I think it was in front of my house. Yep. So we there. probably sled rided together when we were kids, Vicki, and we didn't even know it. That's probably, well, I don't know. I, right, right on the side of my house was this alley. And uh, so we also used to do that. And the very end of the alley, this, <laughs> the, this, the neighbor in the alley had this big fence. And so all us kids would sl- sled down there and we just, boom, slam right into the guy's fence. And he was very, very understanding. You know, it was an elderly uh, couple that lived in the house. But that was our easy way, because if we did it on the street, Man, if we didn't have control, we could go down the one hill, cross the one street, and down another, and that'd be great. But we had to have lookouts on either side of the street. To I was going to say we used to have lookouts. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about fall maintenance okay. of turf. Um, how's that sound for a topic for today? That sounds fine. You know, it is it is that time of year for those uh, late bloomers. And I don't know where you were in the scheme of the 
drought monitor and whatnot, but we had huge, we were in extreme drought, eastern, um, eastern Connecticut, into Rhode Island and sections of Southeast Mass were in extreme drought for most of the summer. Um, and then the rest of it, the surrounding areas of Connecticut, Mass and, and whatnot was moderate, you know, so it wasn't wasn't as bad. But still, it was really limited in terms of what people really did, um, watering bans and whatnot. So September rolls around and we end up with I mean, September was cooler, a little cooler, a little wetter. You know, so then some of the forecasters were saying, oh, the drought's done. And, you know, my point is there's ramifications to that intense summer. The grass didn't do well, certainly recovering, and it was still recovering. But when you look at seeding, a lot of people still couldn't really seed in September because we still had watering bans in place. Yeah, And so, you know, that uh, that influenced some of that. And so people are trying to get a late start on it or else they're deciding to hold off till next spring. And then next spring they hit all sorts of issues with the grassy weeds. So um, yeah, it's fall maintenance. If we can still squeak something in definitely for the homeowner, municipal, absolutely. So, so so what do you use in Connecticut? When do you like, I know what I tell people here in Pennsylvania for um, seeding late. Right. So um, when this when this episode comes out, we're, um, you know, middle of middle of October, mm-hmm. um, I would typically tell people um, seed up until the first of November. Um, and that's pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, what's your opinion on that for 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 people? Doing well, that? when I used to sell seed, you know, yeah. years ago well, there's before, never before but, joining. No, no. But um, but seriously, we get people all the time that had to do maintenance and repairs. And and so I really would say that October was that it was that real deciding month, you know, so some of the some of the true university folks really don't like to see you seeding beyond the end of September. And I can I can tell you that, you know, I had some NTEP trials because of the weather that had to go in the end of September up here. And then boom, we had that, we had that real cold weather, a lot of soil temperatures dropped. So I can see a huge difference between something that I seeded September 9th and something that I seeded September 29th. So, you know, it comes into a lot of play. So I still like to say, take your chances, because as far as I'm concerned, if something will germinate and get, even if it's small and starts to establish in the fall, it'll come on that much more quickly in the spring when we still have, when as growth starts to resume and soil temperatures tend to be cool. So I still think you have better luck with it, but I think then you have to pay attention to your species. So then you might switch you know, and really maybe use more ryegrass or, you know, try to integrate, you know, think of your program differently. But Tanner, Tanner, what do you tell folks on the eastern part of the state? Um, never use ryegrass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of ryegrass. Uh, athletic fields for quick cover. Um, perennial rye, obviously. I, I don't hate it, but um, on home lawns and even some like multi-use fields, I try to get folks to use more turf type tall fescue just because the amount of gray leaf spot pressure that I have seen over the last five years here Mm -hmm. 
is unlike anything I've seen, even in other parts of the state, uh, this eastern part of Pennsylvania, there's so much gray leaf spot pressure in like that August and September. And the turf, especially if it's, you know, drought stricken, it's already on its last leg. And the areas that I see now that still have never recovered, we were, we had a really bad drought here as well. And the areas that look the worst are areas that were ryegrass, because yeah. I believe they probably got a lot of gray leaf spot in there. Um, I used to be all in on rye. It was cheap. It came up quick. It was great. But I think in wear areas um, and gold mouse and things like that, uh, or between the hashes, I mean, ryegrass will still use it. I'm not, I don't hate it. But in a lot of cases, I think the turf type tall fescue, a lot of folks have moved to that um, probably up timing? in your area too. How about too. timing? How about timing? How late um, do you think we can get away with it? Well, I mean, there's folks out there that are still going to be going out in the second week in November uh, and putting seed down. Um, I'm kind of with Vicky. I think I'd rather put it down and take a chance than not do it at all. Because um, you don't know what the next year will bring either. No, well, exactly. I mean, here, like now, you know, as we record this today, it was 33 to 33 degrees out this morning, the highs in the low 50s. But next mm -hmm. week, it's going to be almost 70. Right. But we go, it's very cyclical. It almost seemed like to me this year, we went from 85 degrees in second and third week of September to 62, 60, 62, yep. 64. Like we never had the 70s, which is, in my opinion, like that's where I think like is a great area to be for seeding so we went from you know the first two three weeks of september that were super still pretty dry we got i guess there was that hurricane i guess that came through and we got some rain right before that as well but it was really dry and folks weren't able to go out and aerate and overseed in the end of august or early september they everybody had to wait until the second more like the third and fourth week of september and then we went cool so um, it seems like everything was pretty delayed. The folks that got their seeding out as early as they could looks it looks pretty good at this point. Yeah. But there's still folks that are, have been going out and seeding last week, and I think it'll come up. There yeah, are so more if, there are more if, people up here using the turf type tall fescues, also. But you know, anyway, Jeff, you were going to ask. A no, question. I was just going to ask. So what? Um, I, I, since I've got the two of you, and you've talked about um, the same kind of things, what what's as late? Um, so, so you say take a risk on it. Um, yeah, that's me. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm on that same I'm on that same um, that same channel. Um, people, oh, it's not gonna it won't germinate next spring. Um, I I I, I um, respectfully disagree. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, that it'll that it'll it'll lay there, and some of it's not going to germinate, but there's going to be a portion of it that's going to. Um, you know, even if it's just embedded and has, the cotyledons have broken, um, that it's going to be fine in the spring. It just needs to kind of get some TLC um, first thing in the spring. I would just also recommend if they're getting, if they're seeding later, seed heavier. Yeah. So that there's going to yeah. be something, some population, you know, that you'll get established. So that's the late fall. It's not the time of year to to cut back on the seeding. Yeah, right. In terms right. of the rate or, you know, timing. And, you know, people forget that uh, the fall, the time, the angle, the sun is different, totally different now. And and so, uh, you know, and with the temperatures cool, so we're having the soil temperatures cool, but we're not having that direct sun on it. And that certainly is going to impact the growth. So everything they can do to encourage that growth, including if it's a home lawn or areas where, where you're going to have a lot of leaf litter, they have to keep that 
that surface free of the litter that would also block some, you know, or shade some of that young germinating turf. So, you know, there's other, fa- you know, not going to really see that in an athletic field, but you're certainly going to see it in the home lawn, you know, and if it's a home lawn, you know, getting back to seeding, I have no problem with them utilizing the fine fescues. It's just that in this drought, in full sun, you know, way in, in open, open areas that the poor fine fescues, you know, really took a hit, I think. But in, you know, yeah. if there's partial shade, I still think for home lawn and some of the municipal areas are beautiful. What do you think? What do you think of growth blankets? Um, if if we have the ability to put them out, um, I love them for athletic um, fields. Yeah, for yeah. on the field, um, yeah. goal mouth, um, sideline areas, referee run lines, right? Yeah. Um, that we that we need to get seeded after the year's over. Throw a growth growth blanket on it, and um, not yeah. yet though. I wouldn't recommend no, putting them. No, on but, yet, but yeah, no. But, but if it's late fall after the last Thanksgiving game or something like that, and you're going to throw some seed down. Yeah, I'd do it then. Certainly. That or even late season sodding, you're going to get good knitting, you know, with sod in some of those areas. But then, you you know, you want to make sure that your, you know, the interface there, depending on the age that, you know, you can work that in in the spring. But certainly seeding late fall, you could do things for with turf covers to enhance that growth for sure. I've I've sodded the day before Thanksgiving yep. um, on baseball fields that were being utilized the next spring for spring ball. Yep, and they were rooted completely, one hundred percent safe. Um, it it rooted all winter long, and even seams grew shut. Um, sodding that late in the season, I, I I have no worries of that. Yeah, Jason Henderson had done some research up here a number of years ago, but at UConn where he looked at Kentucky bluegrass sod and it knitted in real well and the rooting was substantial. So it's certainly a benefit as opposed to, you know, you know, sodding in an area during the heat of the summer when turf grass roots typically aren't growing well. You just got to, you know, do more to manage it. So you certainly would have great success you know, late fall with that, but we're digressing from seeding, but certainly, yeah. No, it's a good conversation though. What, what else, what else? um, The other thing I wanted to mention about the seed though, again, it goes back to like what Vicky said with species selection too. Um, I wouldn't personally want to be out putting a hundred percent bluegrass down in November. Um, I think if if you're going to be doing bluegrass, I think you you need to focus on putting it down in September if possible. Mm -hmm. Now it both of us, Jeff, we're both in Pennsylvania, but there's a vast difference between Erie and Philadelphia. So, I mean, you're probably looking at, you know, three weeks difference of when the, the I, there's no hard cutoff per se, but I would say I would, you're, you're going to be able to put seed down in, you know, Southeast Pennsylvania, probably two or three weeks later than you would up in the, the Northeast part of the or the Northeast or, or Northwest part of the state. Yeah, no, no doubt about you're that. Definitely you know, true. Two, two, probably two um, growing zones different from Philly to Erie. Um, yeah, and then I mean the other thing too is it, it, doing some sort of fertility in a, in conjunction with your your seeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let, let's let's hammer that. What? Um, how late can I get away with fertilization um, on my on my field or my yard? Um, there's some new laws. Uh, we're not new to Pennsylvania, Vicky. Not new to you up in Connecticut. Correct. Uh, um, about um, date restrictions uh, for how late we can put this stuff down. 
Yeah, we're December one roughly is the cutoff in terms of uh, some fertilizer and, and definitely, you know, zero base phosphorus for most of the fertilizers. If you have soil tests, so for those that are professionals in the sports industry or even the municipality up in Connecticut, if they have a soil test within a two year period that, um, you know, if they were questioned, they can use a phosphorus fertilizer, starter type fertilizer, but otherwise we're zero base phosphorus, you know, based on with some of the even at seeding, even at seeding, even it's most of the time, even at seeding, but that's where you could justify utilizing a phosphorus based fertilizer. If you have that soil test in hand and you're showing that you're trying to establish that turf. So that's where some difference. And then there's no fertilization until like March 15, I believe, is the right. is the cutoff date here in Connecticut. But that being said, again, there's been research. And Carl Guillard, who recently retired from UConn, was one that really looked at the fall fertilization and the cutoff time. So he really he really stated that mid-October is the real cutoff time. Now, when you look at Turf still growing, you know, we've had a nice fall. So, you know, we're not seeing the turf going off color up here in New England yet. It's still actively growing. You might have a little bit more of the window, but his issue, particularly for homeowner use is, and in the past where everybody say, oh, you could put your last stop down at Thanksgiving, even for homeowners, he's trying to re-evaluate re or have people rethink about that as to mid-October from the standpoint that the turf is actively growing. So if you are putting your fertilizer down at that time, the turf is utilizing and taking it up. Whereas if you did it too late in the season and the soil temperatures cool and the grass starts to grow, that's when you can have more potential for runoff. And, and leachate concerns late, late in the fall. So for a sports turf manager, you know, they're doing something. They have to think totally different than the homeowner or low use turf areas. And so, you know, they're really looking for repair and encouraging that one way. For, but for most of that homeowner use, that's the big thing to try to rethink that October as as more of that date date time from from yeah, that we had, perspective we had, we had dr landscoot on um a couple of weeks ago um on the show talking about our new fertilizer bill and um he said that exact same thing um yeah. i've always been pushing a little later but um we're well now the other yeah. thing to remember I'm also, is i'm also teachable <laughs> but you got to also think about what you're saying like pittsburgh versus southern southeastern pennsylvania same thing in southern new england you know if you're in long island sound area you know, bordering Long Island Sound. I mean, certainly the soil temperatures, the growth is going to be different than the northern part of the state that borders northern, yeah. you know, like Springfield Mass area and going north. So again, yeah. even in a little state like Connecticut, you have some differences in grass selection and when you want to fertilize or when you can. So it's it, just take it with a grain of salt. I guess my big thing is that people need to, just like we're not talking about conventional timing for fertilizer applications the same way when we think about inputs and reduce and, and enhancing environmental quality and sustainability in terms of how you fertilize, we should certainly look at the timing, you know, also. So if we can re make people rethink to October, that's a better message, I think. Well, and the other thing to consider is that the fall is the time of the year. If you look at an annual basis of when you're putting the most amount of end down, fall is the time of year when you should be putting the most, for cool season turf anyway, that you're putting the most amount of nitrogen down. 
I mean, some of the recommendations are anywhere from three quarters of a pound up to like a pound and a half of N per thousand in, in the fall. Um, I don't know that I'd want to put a pound and a half down at one application, but, a, you know, I, I could see a pound, especially. In, yeah. In now. End of August. And then again, something now or, you know, early. Yeah. Perfect. Because yeah. they're going to see that benefit the following spring. So if they do seed really late and they have, you know, really small plants, but having that benefit in the spring, then they'll real, you know, they'll really get a good, good jump start on that growth. No sure. doubt, no doubt. So what else, Vicky? What else should we? You think we should be? Well, paying I attention guess, to here in the fall. You know, since since you relayed that you have you you know you have a breadth of folks that listen to the podcast from the homeowner to municipality to the you know to you know some of the other professional sports turf guys you know i think if they're looking at uh, you know nutrient additions or you know as a feed they could also look at at like leaf mulching you know in a home lawn environment for example or municipal environment where they can use you know mulch really finely chop the the leaf debris into that interface that's you know turf soil interface um certainly you know it's been documented that that almost can serve as a, a you know a, a nutrient application so again if they're trying to to limit the addition of a, some sort of a fertilizer application they could do it naturally you know through the leaf mulch and the leaf litter if that works but you don't want to smother the turf you know yeah. you want to be judicious as to how you do it so that's one thing and i think we also have to look at the age of the area so again athletics you're always into repair but if you're in a home lawn you know and you have a 10 or 15 year old lawn you might not need as much fertilizer anyway so be due to the mineralization uh, so there's i think there's a lot of things to consider in terms of uh, maintaining that fertile, you know, that nutrient base. I want to circle back around to your, your comment about leaves. Mm -hmm. um, I just did a, 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 a call it, not a college show. I just did a talk with um, one of our local television stations here in Pittsburgh. Um, they had me on their morning show. And um, my, my opinion is a little different um, in that I say you can mulch them but I'd like to get them bagged and get them off and put them in a pile and let them rot and compost separately um, as opposed to in the lawn, because we have so many, at least here in our area, we have so many people that have big old trees hanging out over their yard. And we end up with like four inches of mulched leaves, very finely cut on top of all of our grass. So I always, that's always been my line is I like to, um, chop them up, bag them, and get them off the yard, and then let them compost, rot, decompose, and then we can use them in flower beds, gardens, whatever the case is. But well, I think a lot of it comes down to how well and what type of a mulch or some people are. Right. Using. Yeah. I right. mean, so just shredding it into a leaf into five pieces is not really great. I mean, if it's getting literally chopped into very, very small pieces, that's better. But yeah, I mean. I think the biggest thing is just doing something with the leaves, yeah. whether they're moving, you got to get them off the green turf, um, or at least say you can't really see the leaves because those are the areas that you see pock marks all over the, right. the, the lawn, anywhere 
if there's if they're there all winter, that turf under there is going to be smothered. And you need to, you're yeah, correct. You really need if you're going to do it, you really need to be aggressive with the mowing. Yeah. You know, you got to yeah. step up the mowing so you're really really finely chopping it. But you certainly and it goes right back to the whole aspect of encouraging turf to grow in the fall. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, whether you have leaves unmulched that you need to rake off and get off your lawn, you know, bottom line is you want to encourage as much, much growth as possible. You want those leaf blades to photosynthesize as best they can yeah. as that light level, you know, dissipates. So yeah. um, but, you know, so I've seen things where it's totally you're correct. It's done totally improperly. And but it, the more they mulch and the more fine tuned they get in terms yeah. of mulching, yeah, there can no be an added benefit. That's my point for those oh, yeah. that are really trying to, uh, you know, in, put less input, you know, less yeah, inputs into the environment. You know, this is where I got to do my environmentally sustainable. You know, I ride that fence. So it depends on who you are and the the yeah. site. It absolutely, I absolutely 150% agree with you. Um, I just, uh, it, it, I just like, um, cause I, I mulch, I'll, I'll yeah. use my yard as an, my own yard as an example. I mulch mow all yeah. summer long. So just recycle those clippings back into it. Um, but I've got some big trees that, um, drop some, some heavy duty maple tree and maple leaves and, um, a lot of cherry cherry yep. trees and i just suck them up or, yeah. or bag them up and dump them in a hole and then next spring i'll pull them out and mix them into the compost pile yeah but just I like also don't, i also don't have a huge yard that's by <laughs> that's by that's by design that is by design <laughs> well I, <laughs> just like clipping return is important you know i will say there's a benefit if this if if the um situation presents itself to consider let's put it that way yeah yeah, no doubt. That, that would be the only thing, but certainly you hear more of it. You how, know, you know. How late Ed, do you think? How late do you think we can aerify um, in the fall? I would say again. Now you're, you know, you know, as long as the turf's actively growing and it can recover, that that's the big thing. You know, you just don't want to. You know, you don't want to. You're going to set it back a bit. So if you still get some good growth from it, you know, yeah. it's. And again, it depends on who it is, or yeah, I shouldn't right. say who it is, but the the how the field or how the area is being utilized. Yeah, no doubt. Every situation is definitely different. Um, how did how does your? I, I'd be curious because we had Dr. Landscoot on talking about the fertilizer bill here in Pennsylvania a couple of mm -hmm. weeks ago. Um, you're a couple of years into your fertilizer bill up there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's, it's about ten. Actually, it's I want to say it's close to ten years. Yeah. So how right has around the evolved? time of our pesticide ban is right, you know, when that sort of came into play. Yeah. So how does that unfolded up there? Is it work for people? Um, um, and I'm not asking you to tell stories out of out of school. No, I, I, you, have I to be, you have to be certified to apply fertilizer in Connecticut. Um, you have, you know, like similar to a pesticide applicator in Pennsylvania, you have to be certified. Um, I know some states have certification for fertilizer. No, we don't have a we don't have a fertility or a, a certification for fertilizer okay. applications. I think the big issue is that you see folks that don't want to use synthetic products, so they talk about utilizing compost without taking compost into the nutrient management plan. And so, you know, they could be utilizing, you know, compost um, and and not understanding that they're 
maybe putting too much of that nutrient down if that's their source, whether it's compost tea or organic fertilizer, you know, something from that standpoint. But, and so, and the other thing I see is there's really no real enforcement. So they've made this law and everybody really tries to abide by it, you know, to do good sustainably. But I know that there have been issues where people have tried to squeak it in one way or another, particularly, particularly in the spring, maybe not so much in the fall for the homeowner end or the municipal end, but definitely in the spring as um, if we have a really nice early spring and people want to get out there earlier than, than that window. But certainly I don't, I haven't heard about enforcement, you know, even though they, they've made the law. Pesticide ban, yeah, there's enforcement, but not so much with the, with the nutrients, nutrient ban that I've seen. So it's, it's, uh, it's an on, it's ongoing. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Tanner, what do you, what, what do you see? How do you see the fertilizer law playing out here in Pennsylvania? Any drastic changes to no. what you think people are going to do? Um, I mean, it doesn't really, does it, it's for, for professionals. It really doesn't affect us a whole lot. I mean, most people aren't doing super late applications. Most of our fertilizer SKUs already from manufacturers don't have phosphorus in them. Um, you know, if people are putting seed down, they can use a, a starter fertilizer. I don't think it, and by the nature of the way the bill was constructed, it doesn't affect professionals too much. It, right. it, it really doesn't, which is, right. in my opinion, which is good. Um, most professionals are doing the right thing. Um, no, no. I mean, the other thing I wanted to mention about the fall, though, is this is a, you know, it's getting on the later side, but this is also a great time to control or try to control perennial weeds. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, you know, using typically ester-based um, formulations, things like triclopyr, fluoxapyr, I mean, even 2,4-D or some of these 2,4-D dicamba, MCPP, MCPA, if you're able to use those materials on labeled sites, um, this is the best time of the year to control things like ground ivy, wild violets. Um, so this is a time to target them. No doubt about that. Especially after that, um, a cold snap um, is what I found and using them after a frost or a cold, a colder period. Um, those poor plants are um, all of a sudden realize, Hey, I'm not in charge anymore. I gotta, I gotta, pull myself back into my shell here and they are comfortably taking those um, nice applications with them to store them for the winter. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I agree. It's an excellent time. You get a little bit of poannual control with that. You know, if you are doing the broadleaf, but um, the, you just have to put into the equation if, if there's been overseeding done. Right. And particularly if it was done late. So again, for the professional turf managers, certainly they can make all these considerations fit into that equation. And so, again, it's for those that maybe don't have aren't as skilled with that knowledge to involve that, you know, to think about that. Yep, absolutely. Tanner, I've had a lot of calls um, here of late um, and, and, and Vicki also nimble will. Um, I'm getting a lot of nimble wheel calls. Um, any any good way to control that? Depends how bad the infestation is. 
I mean, if it's really scattered everywhere in there, I would, and they're, they want to get rid of it, I would do a total renovation. Yeah. That, that's, you what can, told, that's what I've told people. I just, um, there's a, a few spots here and there you could do selective applications, but if it's pretty scattered all over the place, uh, you're going to be chasing your tail. And then as you mow, you're transferring those stolons around. It could, it's going to keep popping up. If you want the probably the cheapest and fastest thing would be to do a you know total kill of everything, two applications of a non-selective, and start over in the fall. Yeah, we see the whole. We see questions more nimble well, and it's more homeowner based, and it seems yeah. to be in the spring would we get it as opposed to the fall home and garden? Well, I'm, get, I'm getting the calls now because it's it's headed south. Um, you know, it's starting to turn brown. And this is not a time to control it because it's yeah. not going to take that up. Right. Have uh, you gotten many calls about grubs this year? I'm just sort of curious. Surprisingly, no. But I think it could be the fact that the people are attributing problems to drought. Yep. No, I would agree with that. Um but again, up our area, it was so dry. So there's, you know, there's some speculation by some of the entomologists too that if there's delay egg laying, and then you're seeing delay, um, you know, emergence of some of the instars. But it, I haven't heard too much about grubs. I've seen some. I've seen a couple places that people that didn't have any lawn care or things. I've seen a little bit, but nothing crazy. Just mm -hmm. mainly, it was just you could see the skunks were digging. Went out, found some grubs, put some dialogs down, but nothing widespread. Okay. Yeah, I haven't had any calls at all about about grubs, and we're getting late to be having those. Right. Yeah, right. most folks. I mean, I think most folks are using some sort of preventer. Um, not a home lawn necessarily, if they're not doing any lawn care or any professional care themselves, but from a professional standpoint, I think most folks are already doing either a midocloprid or a celeprin. Okay. So up at, up in our area, midocloprid's banned. The neo, we have a neonicotinoid ban too. So, um, but we've had people using certainly a celeprin, you know, or gr the grub gone, you know, that are, is an, is an alternative also more for home lawn, you know, but again, for the school guys, the grub gone is really the only thing they can use. They can't even use the acelaprin. So, um, you know, there's some differences there. But yeah, it's been quiet, at least, at least, or else they haven't, you know, <laughs> gotten hold of me to let me know anything about the grub. So it's just really just, just trying to get their grass as healthy as possible going into the winter, coming off of the drought that we had. Yeah, the, the lawns looked the worst I've ever seen in September ever here. Mm -hmm. um, and fields. I mean, anything that was unirrigated was just terrible. Fields, it, I am pretty amazed, though. A lot of the areas recovered pretty well. Um, but you still see, especially in lawns, areas that I'm thinking ryegrass got gray leaf spot when we had some of those early rains in mid-September. Mm -hmm. I think they got great leaf spot and they just did not recover at all. I mean, they're, it's not, I mean, it, it looks like potentially grub. It's not grubs though. It's just, I think it was disease. Mm -hmm. What else yeah. do we need to talk about for our listeners today? Fall, late fall, um, kind of 
not necessarily field care, but turf care. What else do we need to keep in mind? Um, good time to, to top dress with some compost or are we the wrong time of the year to do that? You can, I think you can do that. I would do that in conjunction with aeration. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. But. You know, if that's it, and that could be their final nutrient um, application, or they certainly could do something um, supplemental through any of any types of, but it's getting down close to the window. Yeah. We're, we're that window's starting to get closed. So least. keep the leaves off the area. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this like this weekend's supposed to be, you know, you know, going into early nights. You know, we want to do everything we can, as I said earlier, to really encourage growth until it starts to get, you know, really start the weather starts to turn. Yeah. And here where I am in Western PA, as you guys know, we only have two seasons, um, winter and <laughs> the 4th of July. <laughs> so, so we have to always be ready. Um or um whatever whatever the weatherman is going to give us um that stupid lake lake erie um the great lakes man they play havoc on us out here the other thing that folks um depending on their turf may be doing um snow mold applications yeah i mean there are some folks but typically on golf courses we'll be doing applications of fungicides for that but that's not not something on some higher end sports fields, they'll put theirs down as well. Yeah, not something we really see on any home runs, though. Yeah, I can't say that I've. I mean, we certainly will get calls in the spring because of, you know, right. if they fertilize too late and the lawn was lush before the before the, uh, you know, the grass really uh, slowed down and hardened off, you're going to get some. But um, then we get the calls in the spring. You know, I, I would say, too, if there's anything that they could mit do to minimize any sort of desiccation, you know, if they're prone to desiccation in certain areas or, or whatnot. But that would be the only other thing um, again. But we don't know what kind of winter will be in store for us. So what kind of damage we'll see from that, you know, going into the spring. Right. Right. Great. Great conversation. Kind of getting us ready for 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 winter um, leading up to it. Tanner, is there anything else we need to talk to Vicki about before we let her go today? I think we covered a lot. Yeah, Vicki, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. As we told you before, you know, typically this is the place where we go to three strikes and you're out. And you know that routine because you've been on the show before. And Tanner and I did a, a thumbs up, thumbs down, and we decided that we were going to let you off the hook today. Well, thank you. I'll just say... Uh... Good luck to those uh, sport teams that are still in the running. How's that? That's a, so, that's a, that's a nice way to, to say. You know, since I do, you know, I will bow to my uh, Eastern PA roots and say that, you know, there's still uh, there's still some activity there. So uh, for those that are fans of that, uh, those teams enjoy it. As, as my brother who lives in Philly says, he says, hey. My name's Kevin Fowler, and I'm an Eagles fan. And have I told you that we're six and zero? Well, I might not have paid attention to the record, but certainly <laughs> hats off to the uh, to Tony Leonard and you know you know the sports turf guys that are still. Uh, um, yeah, speaking speaking of that, um, did you did you guys completely off subject? Did you catch the the program on the Today Show that they did on Tony's crew? No, I didn't. But that's excellent. Uh, yeah, the more they that were... they can do to to really validate 
the professional turf manager and Tony's excellent at what he does. So the today show did a great job with it um, of, of following and I'm not giving promotion to the, to that particular station or that particular show, but they did a wonderful job of um, capturing what it takes to be a little bit more prepared for a NFL field, you know, and they had done that, I think somewhere else too, but it was, it was cool to see Tony um, on the show. So Vicky, thanks so much for being with us. Um, well, you guys have a nice fall. We we hope so. Um, I'll remind our listeners that they can get a hold of Tanner and I at our email address. It's freshcutgrass at psu.edu. Um, if they have topics that they'd like for us to address, or if they have questions for our our um, our guests uh, on the show, we can pass those to them um, through that email address. Tanner, been a great time again today. Uh, I'll let you close us out. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, I just want to uh, say thanks again to Vicki. Nice to see you again. Um, it's nice to be here again. Absolutely. Now we covered a lot of different topics, and I'm sure we will have you back again in the near future. Well, I look forward to it then. So it's a good way to spend a half an hour with you guys. That's right. Well, thank you very much. All and right. uh, thanks to our listeners, and we will talk to everyone next time.